My name's Martin Gao, and this is my beautiful wife, Lenore. We've been married for nine years, and we have two wonderful kids together. Logan is six, and Helen is four. So I was born as an only child in China. Uh, my parents were career-oriented and were gone for a large part of my young childhood, leaving me to be raised by my grandparents with little discipline. During that time, I developed patterns of self-dependence and self-reliance. I would beg, lie, steal, cheat to gain popularity and leadership amongst my peers. When I was almost 10 years old, my parents moved us to America, hoping to straighten me out. It was hard leaving everything and everyone I knew to live with my parents, who were essentially strangers at the time. I was at a new school, I didn't speak the language, and now I was living in a low-income neighborhood. In spite of this, my parents still expected me to excel. I desired to meet their approval, even though they were both working and never around. Deep down inside, my feelings of abandonment, low self-worth, and fear grew more every day, and I was only able to block out those feelings and function by developing an airtight system of compartmentalization. I grew up in, a, in New Orleans, Louisiana, with an older sister and a younger brother in a very strict Jewish household. We went to temple on the weekends for Shabbat services, as well as religious school during the week. We were never allowed to ask or talk about Jesus. And from this, I gained a strong moral foundation, a desire to know about God, and a curiosity of who Jesus was. My home life was very volatile. My parents fought often, and this would escalate frequently to yelling and hitting. And as the middle child, I assumed responsibility for keeping the peace. I was overwhelmed by this situation as a seven-year-old, and um, I attempted suicide that year as a way to escape my home life. But God had a different plan for me. Not long after this, I met some new neighbors who shared the gospel with me. Sorry. Got to turn the page. Thank you. Um, this, this changed my life. I still didn't know Jesus, but I wanted to. And this gave me even more motivation to go to college where I could pursue freedom and the freedom to um, pursue questions I had about Christ, ones that I could not explore at home. So my pattern of compartmentalization continued until I had graduated college. At the time, I saw it as a good thing, right? Dealing with my emotions as a complex, educated individual. Little did I know that the lasting effects of my compartmentalization, I slowly became a honeycomb of triggers ready to blow at any time. It wasn't until after college when the melancholy of the daily corporate rat race drove me to a small flourishing church in Austin, Texas, that I actually start to deal with those feelings. My new friends at the church shared the true love of the gospel with me and led me to Christ. And as I slowly unpacked my baggage with those men, it was the first time in my life the actual real me took a part in the community of my peers. I involved myself in the church and actually started swing dancing. Uh, and began to dive into the word of God and his people. <laughs> Second Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. 
Towards the end of high school, I started swing dancing, which eventually grew to become a large part of my social and financial life. While at college, I started to attend church and reading my Bible. I knew that Jesus had to be the true Messiah, and I committed my life to him. And when I told my parents about this, they disowned me and cut me off. Matthew 19, 29 says, everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. I stayed in school as long as I could after that, but the cost of books, living, intuition, all became too great. I ended up having to drop out of college and work full time in sales as well as teaching dance to make ends meet. This eventually led to me making a decision to move from Louisiana to Austin, Texas, where I would be able to teach dance locally and advance my career in sales. I knew a dancer in Austin that owned his own house and he would rent out rooms. So I called Martin up and I asked him about becoming his next roommate. Just three short weeks, I moved in with no intentions of dating him. Four months after that, we were dating. <laughs> so after a decade of living in Austin, I felt completely at home. I had bought a house that was more like a hostel. I was hosting everyone from traveling friends to the homeless. In 2007, I took a leap of faith and I quit my job to finish my graduate degree, which actually resulted in me having to borrow money from my parents for short-term living expenses. Money, was, money was tight at the time, but I felt close and completely at peace with God's plan for me. So when Lenore wanted to rent a room, I did not have any hesitations. As I got to know her, I found a compassionate and detail-oriented person with the same passion for God as I had. She had a rough childhood like I had, and we connected on many levels. Even though I had resigned myself to loneliness by that point and never had any intentions for my new roommate, God was changing my heart. And I soon said yes to him and asked her, for, uh, her permission for courtship. Who was I to say no? Matthew 13, 45 and 46 says, The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything. and He bought it. By this point, I would still call myself a Christian, even though I wasn't accountable to anyone and I hadn't attended church in over a year. Martin would often ask me to go to church with him, but my retail schedule rarely allowed me to go. And as our relationship progressed to something more serious, I decided to move out, wanting to remain pure for marriage. We dated a year and a half, some of it long distance, and we were married within a year of our engagement. Picture. Um, we moved to Dallas and eventually found Watermark, our new church home. So after a prolonged job search, this was after I quit my job, um, I got a job offer in Dallas. I dreaded the idea of pulling roots once again, moving away from my church, my friends, and the place where God saved me. But I felt that I had to take the job because it was God opening the door to me finally proposing to Lenore. In the end, I chose Lenore over Austin. So with my sign-on bonus, I bought the ring, proposed, and we were wed six months later. Moving back to Dallas, however, meant that I would be moving closer to my parents, pursuing a new career, and had no accountability or godly counsel. 
my old fears and insecurities quickly returned. And I once again began to compartmentalize my feelings and fears and stuff them inside. On the surface, everything looked fine, but deep down, my old sin struggles came rushing back, more so than ever. I was filled with expectations of a wonderful fairy tale marriage. I knew that the lessons from our premarital counseling were just a formality, and the hard work that everyone warned us about was going to be a breeze. Good. <laughs> We had talked about kids, religion, and money, and we were aligned on all of it. So I thought we were good. <laughs> the honeymoon ended as quickly as it began. I didn't realize, um, I'm sorry, yep. I didn't realize at the time that I was allergic to our birth control, which made intimacy extremely difficult and challenging for over a year. This only added to the early stresses of our marriage Meanwhile, we started to immediately have disagreements over money that included my student loan debt as well as a debt he had to his parents. About only four days into our marriage, I started thinking I made a really bad choice. Um, I started considering divorce and eventually told him about it. I couldn't believe the words were coming out of my mouth. I was convinced that I had made a huge mistake and that he had deceived me into marrying him and I would be paying for it for the rest of my life. So our marital problems started the day we said our vows and continued for years afterwards. Difficulty in our early marriage included not having boundaries with my parents, who were really close, cultural and language differences, unmet expectations, communication issues, right? Now it seemed like we were just so different. I perceived her detail-orientedness as OCD, and her verbalized concerns as nagging. Without any community around me, I was at a loss on how to unpack my emotional baggage with my spouse and how to lead in my marriage. To make things worse, Lenore was starting to ask pointed questions about all my deep fears and insecurities I had carefully hidden over the years. My self-defense mechanism lashed back at her by yelling and invalidating her concerns. Instead of breaking down my compartments and sharing with my wife, it was easier to just pretend that our marriage was fine and she was just nitpicking. Martin suggested that the next step for us was to look for a godly community to help us get better at this marriage thing. We joined a foundation group, but we were still flailing. I had heard about reengage and asked Martin to attend, but he refused for months, saying that we didn't need it and it wasn't for us that we were fine. One evening we got into a huge fight and Martin said that he was leaving me. I begged him not to leave and agreed that I would do anything for him to stay. His parents had been pressuring us to start having kids, but I wasn't ready. This was his condition to stay with me. So we started trying for kids. We didn't tell anybody about that fight for months. I grew resentful and depressed as time passed we decided to reach out to the leaders of our foundation group about the state of our marriage, and they advised us to attend re-engage. Martin finally agreed to it. Proverbs 13, 12 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. I was extremely skeptical about re-engage and only came to assure myself that I had done everything that I could for my marriage. 
because I thought we were beyond hope. I rated our marriage at a one on the first night, and he rated it at an eight. We seemed to be looking for totally different things, and he seemed unaware of how miserable I was. We were in open group for months, at least 20 weeks, guys, yeah, um, before finally getting into a closed group. While we waited for the real help that I knew closed group would provide, God started to change my heart. I stopped dreading coming to re-engage, and I started looking forward to the worship and the testimonies. I told myself that if God can redeem their marriages, then I can have hope that he will do the same for ours. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him, and he will make your path straight. I stopped putting my hope in Martin and started to turn to God and he had been waiting for me all along. Once my hope was no longer in my husband, but on an unwavering rock, my hope and joy returned. Through communication tools we learned, I was finally able to tell Martin that I wasn't ready to have kids, and he heard me, so we stopped trying. The other great blessing through this time is that we were finally able to enjoy intimacy when we stopped using the birth control that I was allergic to. Our time in closed group helped me to realize that I was putting Martin before God. An example of this would be my expectation for my husband to make me happy instead of the Lord. I also believed the lie that marriage was to make me happy. I've since learned it's to make me holy. Proverbs 27:17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. We learned many lessons during our year and a half journey from our first night to our celebration night. Things like draw a circle around yourself and fix everyone inside it, as well as other communication tools. We learned how to communicate and we really had to focus on that. When we weren't being careful, we quickly learned that going back to our old habits produced old results. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. That's Albert Einstein. So it was many weeks after we started attending Reengage when I made my own breakthrough. Weeks and weeks of listening to the testimonies and going through the lessons had inspired me to search my own heart. With the help of the Holy Spirit, I realized that I was contributing to my own marriage woes by not sharing and communicating with my wife. I also realized that I had hidden many fears and frustrations so down deep inside that even I didn't know about them. With the help of our close group and my wife, I took the scary journey of breaking down some of my mental compartments and shared it with others. A floodgate was open, and I was a mess for months as, un as I unboxed feelings of fears and insecurities that I had hidden for decades. God was faithful in walking with me during this time. And instead of the mockery and criticism as I feared, my confessions of deep-rooted insecurities and sin were met with love and encouragement. I recognized my patterns of internalizing and hiding my feelings for the first time, and I sought accountability from others to avoid it. Proverbs 26 says, Many a man proclaims his own loyalty, but who can find a trustworthy man? So today, 
after relying on God and working on my own issues for over six years, I still have a long way to go. I now see and trust God's plan for me. In addition, I have gained a new partner, my wife, in my struggle against the enemy. We keep short accounts with each other and are quick to identify our own issues, confess, and forgive each other. We are in love now more than ever and look forward to growing old together. You can show the picture. <laughs> Jeremiah twenty nine eleven says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Looking back at that time, I remember feeling raw and emotionally drained week after week as I dug through old hurts and deep emotional wounds. I learned as a child that unless you bury your pain, it will consume you. I learned as a daughter of Christ that he doesn't want you to carry around those hurts, buried or otherwise. He wants you to lay them down at the foot of the cross for him to carry. My advice to everyone is that when it gets hard, throw yourself on God's mercy and grace and allow him to strengthen you. Jeremiah 31, 25 says, I will refresh the weary and satisfy the faint. The best things happen when God is in control. My, I trust my sovereign king because he is the one who's trustworthy. So if this is your first time at Reengage tonight, we just want to say that with the help of God, your marriage can also be sweet. We understand that it's hard sometimes and the hurt is very real, but there is still great hope for your marriage. God used all of our baggage, our hurts, hangups, and despair to show us his plan for our marriage. No matter how different or distant your spouse may seem right now, there is hope. And God is sufficient not only to restore your marriage, but also to sweeten it with hope everlasting. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Martin and Lenore, thank you for sharing with us tonight. And, and uh, I hope you heard what I heard in that, is that uh, when they put their trust in the Lord, newness of life came. They are um, different people than they were back when they met. And, uh, and, and that's all due to Christ working in them. Some key points that I picked up is um, something Lenore said, old habits equals old results. And uh, with that newness of life comes the new habits. And, uh, and what we saw, what we heard from, from Martin is, when he moved away from his community, those old habits began to come back. And so um, we want to stress the importance of, number one, your relationship with Christ. But number two, community. Gathering around you, holding you accountable. Picking you up when you're down. But also encouraging and, and spurring each other on. And, and, and I think that's what happened with you and when you walk through the doors at Reengage and you began to, to meet some new people that, that have gathered around you, some of them sitting right behind you, <laughs> and, uh, and continue to encourage each other. So thank you all so much for, for sharing with us tonight, and uh, we look forward to working beside you for many years to come.
Well, if you're new here tonight, that's what we do is we share uh, stories about what God has done in the lives of, of people in this room. And all of us are broken. All of us are sinners. We, uh, we tend to want to wanna label our sin, but when it all comes down to it, we're sinners, plain and simple. And, and Christ can redeem from all those sins. And, and I'm going to bring up one more thing that Lenore said, lay them at the foot of the cross. And so with that, I want to encourage you. I want you to know that you're in the right place. You're in a place where people love and care about you, where people want to see your marriage succeed. And so welcome to Reengage. Thank you for being here. You're going to see people that are going to scatter in all different directions here in just a few minutes. And uh, don't be alarmed. We'll, we'll, we'll get you where you need to go. If it's your first night here, you're going to come right up here in the first couple of rows. And the Rinkins are going to share with you a little bit more about Reengage, how Reengage works, and, and share their story with you of what God has done, what Christ has done in their lives also. And so come on up to these first two rows. If it is your um, second night or more and you haven't been placed in a uh, closed, closed group yet, you're going to go to open group. And so you'll go out the doors, take a left, take a left down the hallway, and another left at the end. You'll see two rooms there uh, where you can join one of the open groups. And then if you uh, are in a closed group, you know where you're going. But for those of you who have been here with us for a few weeks, you heard uh, Martin and Lenore spent 20 weeks in, in open group. Um, that's, that's a long time. We hope none of you have to do that. We know some of you have, uh, some, of the, some of the leaders that are here with us tonight, but uh, don't give up hope. In two weeks, we're gonna, or in a couple of weeks, we're going to announce uh, two new groups. And so uh, just, just keep hanging in there with us. It's, it's coming. You're going to get assigned into a uh, closed group. So um, with that, let me close us in prayer tonight, and, uh, and then we'll be on our way. Father, we thank you so much for Martin and Lenore and, and for the redemption that you brought to their lives. God, we thank you for, um, for the redemption that you bring to each and every one of us. Father, we are sinners, and, and we need your love, we need your grace, we need your mercy, and we need your forgiveness. Father, help us to um, just draw close to you, and as we do so, Father, that we may draw close to our spouse. Lord, we just want to lift each and every uh, couple and individual that's in this room tonight up to you and place them in your hands, God. You're the one who, um, who does mighty and awesome works. And we just commend all these people into your hands and just ask that you would work in each and every life that's here. Father, be with um, not only these people, but their families. And, and we lift them up to you also. And, and we just ask that uh, they would know your love and grace also. Father, we uh, thank you for the opportunity that we have in this country, the freedom we have to gather here in this place and to worship you to celebrate you and to, um, to seek you. Father, we, um, we just want to thank you most of all for the gift of your son, Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.